Hello and welcome to Robin and Stephanie's Crimeaholics podcast. Say hi, Steph. Hey. So we know we've been MIA for a while, but you know, life gets in the way. So we're back and tonight we wanted to do The Good Nurse, uh, which you can watch on Netflix and the guy's name is Charles Cullen. Right. So let's just give a little synopsis of of the show. Do you want me to do it? Uh, yeah, you can do it. Okay. You have some stuff in front of you. So. so this guy, nurse, male nurse, um, Which was totally threw me off to begin with because when I saw the previews and I saw her and it was the good nurse, I was thinking it, it was going to be something she was doing. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, she ended up being the good nurse in right, the story, right. but the story was about the bad nurse. Right. So we chose this one because it took place in New Jersey where we live. Mm-hmm. So the uh, documentary was... Um, a girl nurse who had heart problems and needed to have a heart transplant, but she couldn't until she was at her job. I guess it was like a year. Yeah, she had like three months left to go before she could get health insurance. So she was keeping that a secret. And as many nurses, she's overworked, underpaid, short-staffed. So they end up hiring this male nurse that they call Charlie, who she became like best buds with. Like uh, they, you know, they if they weren't working together, they he was over her house, involved with her kids and everything else, and uh, she's taking care of this uh, patient. Um. And then after this male nurse started, like, she suddenly died. So, you know, she wasn't putting two and two together or anything. And these detectives brought this information to her. So I wanted to go over a little bit of his history that it doesn't tell you in the documentary, but it's on Wikipedia. So it says that uh, he was raised in a working class Catholic family. He was the youngest of eight children, again with the eight kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His father, Edmund, was a bus driver and he died in September 1960 when Charles was 11 months old. Cullen later described his childhood as miserable and claimed to have been constantly bullied by his schoolmates and sister's boyfriends. When he was age nine, he made the first of many suicide attempts by drinking chemicals from his chemistry set. His mother, her name was Florence, She immigrated to the U.S. from England after World War II, and she was killed in a car accident in December 1977, and she was 55 years old. And Charles was a senior in high school, and 
he recalled his mother's death as being devastating and described being upset that the hospital did not immediately inform him of her death and they cremated her body instead of returning it. So the following year, he dropped out of high school and enlisted in the Navy where he served abroad the submarine USS Woodrow Wilson. He successfully passed basic training and the rigorous psychological examination required for submarine crews who were expected to spend as long as two months at a time being submerged in a cramped vessel. Which I could never do. No. No (laughs) one in hell. (laughs) So it says Cullen rose to the rank of petty officer second class as part of a team that operated the vessel. I can't even say that. And um, he did not fit in during this time in the Navy and he was hazed and bullied by his fellow crewmen. So it goes on to say that a year into his service, Cullen's leading petty officer abroad, Woodrow Wilson, discovered him seated at the missile controls wearing a surgical mask, gloves, and scrubs rather than his uniform. Cullen was disciplined for that action, but never explained why he had dressed that way. The Navy reassigned Cullen to a lower-pressure job on the supply ship. He attempted suicide and was committed to the Navy psychiatric ward several times over the subsequent few years. Cullen received a medical discharge from the Navy in 1984 for undisclosed reasons. So shortly after his discharge, Cullen enrolled at Mountainside Hospital Nursing School in Montclair, New Jersey. Elected president of his nursing class, he graduated in 1986 and started to work at the burn unit of St. Barbanus Medical Center. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, Cullen met and married Adrian Baum in 1987. Their daughter, the first of two girls, was born later that year. However, Cullen's wife became increasingly disturbed at his unusual behavior and his abuse of the family dogs. In 1993, she filed a restraining order against him based on her fear that he might endanger her and the two children. She claimed that Cullen had spiked people's drinks with lighter fluid, burned his daughter's books, and left his daughters with a babysitter for a week. Cullen denied these claims, saying that his wife is exaggerating. Nevertheless, she continued to insist that Cullen was mentally ill. So, like, the show touched a little bit uh, about his divorce and kids. I mean, yeah, so he did, because when he was talking to um, her, the, the female nurse, what was her name? Um, what was her name? Uh, uh crapper dapper. <laughs> um, 
Amy. 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 Yeah, like, how can we forget Amy? (laughs) Right. (laughs) It was Amy. He did kind of, like, go into a little bit about it, and he had mentioned, um, I, I, I feel like I remember seeing something in the movie about him mentioning something about his his mom and when she died um and that they had cremated her something like that because i at that moment i thought oh this is part of the reason why he's gonna do what he's doing um but yeah i mean he would talk to this amy about the troubles with his wife like she wasn't letting him see the kids and then he did mention something about the dog if you remember in the movie um you know, she was making all these claims about how he abused the dog and this and that. And he just blew it off to her being crazy, basically. Yeah, and I don't remember him saying anything about a damn restraining order, do you? No, I don't I don't remember that either. So I don't remember him saying that to Amy, which obviously he probably wouldn't have said or told her that. So I went into the movie already knowing that he was killing patients. Right, it was just a matter of how he was doing it that and how he was able to get away with it for so long. Right, so when it, uh, her boss said that I hired another nurse uh, and she said the guy, I was like, uh-huh. oh shit, here it comes. Right, right, right. So when she befriended him and I see him sitting at her house with the kids, I'm sitting here thinking, get your kids away from him. <laughs> Right, but I mean, at that time, she didn't know, really. She when she befriended but... him, she didn't really know him. Like, it, it took a lot for them to convince her he was who who he, who he was and to see a different side of him because he had been helping her. She had cardiomyopathy, so she was really struggling to do her job as a nurse, and she needed to take breaks, and he would cover for her, and he was, you know, helping her get to work and and everything like that. So she was only seeing the good side of him. Yeah, but then the next thing you know, she's got him babysitting. See, I'm a real freak about strangers and kids. Like, no. (laughs) No. I mean, I guess she felt it. I mean, I I guess she she really had no choice at that point. Right. But so... She was, like, really attached to that first patient that they showed. Yeah, Anna Martinez. Yes. Yeah. And and the husband. Her and the husband are real close. Yeah, right. So, you want to say what he did to her? Well, I mean, so, I mean, if we kind of say what he did, he kind of does it for all of them. But I think the husband was suspicious. And that's why he wanted to talk to Amy alone. Right. After she after she passed, because she was only in there for an adverse reaction to some amoxicillin, and she had some lesions and stuff on her face, and and she wasn't in any like real threat. Yeah, she wasn't um, critical or anything. Right, she wasn't critical, and then it was just like all of a sudden she coded, or and they were just like, "What? Like what happened?" So it started happening more frequently, like. It was the second one. It was the young girl, right? Kelly at uh, Kelly Anderson. Yeah, I think that one is what would have like threw up a red flag to me. Like, oh, okay, what the hell's going on? 
that was the one that had just had the baby. Right. She just had the baby. She, I forget what she was in there for. Um, Oh, she was, um, she suffered from seizures or something like that. Um, she just all of a sudden wound up. Right. Nothing critical. She just wound up dying. So, so let's go back to Anna Martinez though. So, Apparently, so, and this is what, this is like, kind of pisses me off because I feel like the hospital hid, or I'm sorry, the hospital did their own internal investigation for seven weeks before they involved the police. And during their investigation is when their lawyer, corporate lawyer, basically said, I think you need to get the police involved. At that point, they couldn't have a body. They didn't have. They couldn't have Anna's body. It had already been cremated because it had been seven weeks. They had like nothing really to go on, and they're like, "Well, what are we doing here?" Like, and they wouldn't. They wouldn't information to the police actually do a thorough investigation. So, and they were kind of like, "What's the word I'm looking for?" Um, Half ass. Yeah, but, like. I feel like they were, I feel like they should be liable as well. And I feel like they were hindering information, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Well, it seems like, which I don't know, real life, like firsthand account, but it seems like these shows like this, the hospital first tries to hide it. Well, obviously, because they don't want to be sued. That's what it comes down to. Right. if it, if it came down and it came out and they really investigated it and found out that they were, that they had someone working for them that was killing people, they would have been sued out the freaking ass. Right. But this is why you have insurance. So why are you hiding the fact that you have bad people? And if because you it's think, bad PR. If you think you have a bad employee that can do that kind of damage why not get rid of them uh, first thought well and at first i don't even think they knew it was him no like it took a little digging and but then again so, i think it's their fault for not looking into his background before they hired him that's true i mean i know there are flirting floating nurses out there and stuff like that but i mean i think they still get some kind of background check and so when he came there you know when him and amy started talking or whatever she asked where he had come from and she had a friend yes. who worked there and she was like oh do you know so-and-so and he was like oh yeah i know her she's great or whatever so then once all these things started coming to light she had a little conversation with her friend and found out that there was a rumor at the previous hospital that he was doing something to these patients. Yeah. So he found out a way to, so when they, when they started, well, let's go back. Let me rewind. When they started doing their interviews of like this, I, ICU staff, because that's where they work was in the ICU. ICU um, staff, they asked her, what, do you see anything wrong with these with these labs? And right away, she could pick out that the insulin level was so high and she wasn't a diabetic, number one. And number two, it was the type of insulin that isn't 
made within your body, it's um, artificial insulin. Right. So she was able to pick that out. And I think that's when she finally started believing that he could have something to do with these. Right, because then I think, like, well, well, the one time, so she had, um, like I said, we, she had cardiomyopathy, and she had, like, a really bad spell, and he, she was in the storeroom where they hold the Pixis unit, which is, um, on the, any floor, they have a Pixis unit where the nurses have to put in their codes, and it's what like drugs are administered, the controlled substances, and, yeah. you know, different things like it's that. It's like a digital pharmacy medicine dispenser right so um he figured out a way to fool that pixa system and would put in what he needed but then would quick cancel it but it would still open up the drawer right so he and she saw that when he tried when he helped her like she had an episode in the storeroom he needed he got her out some kind of medication and she's like you're going to get us in trouble and he's like oh no there's a flaw in the system so he admitted that to her that he knew that flaw in the system so by this point the detectives i guess from the last place the last town he had worked in or whatever was trying to set up a case and had asked Amy to help them find proof. Mm -hmm. So she was able to print the records from the... Pixis. Pixis. But because he would cancel it and it wouldn't go through, it was registering, registering, whatever, that... (laughs) That he put the code in, he put the medicine in, but then the paper was saying that he canceled it. So it wasn't saying that he actually got the medicine. So they still had no proof that he was the one getting all this insulin. Right. So then that's when she was Right, she went and talked to that friend, that nurse friend. Yeah. found out that he was, I guess, injecting insulin into saline bags. So after she heard that, and that other drug, what was it? Um, dioxin or something? Dioxin or, di- yeah, dioxin or something like that. Um, she went back to the hospital and started squeezing all the saline bags. And then she found one that had a hole in it. So it, so it couldn't even be like still even on him because you, as a nurse, everyone gets a saline bag when you come in. Right. But you would think, I don't know if he had a half a brain, he would find some other way to do it. So the bags aren't leaking. Well, I mean, the bag wouldn't leak unless you squeezed it. Oh, okay. I don't think because the way it's set up for the IV, like it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have done it unless she squeezed it. Um, but then again, it's, you know, everyone gets a saline bag when they come into the hospital. So any one of those nurses, and then it sometimes takes, you know, 24 hours to get into the system. So it wasn't like they could track and say like, oh, he just put up that bag. It had to have been him. It could have been any one of those nurses picking up one of those bags that he had injected. Yeah, because 
the saline solution is just fluids, right? You know, to keep you hydrated. Water, basically. Yeah, it's nothing serious, so it's not really monitored. Right. I mean, they're just piled but up that, in a that's cabinet. That's why, like, she didn't believe it at first because the one person who died, he wasn't even there. And it was because it was a bag that had already been put up, like, from whatever, you know what I mean? And it took a while to, to hit and cause death. So I guess in everyone's body, I mean, I guess it takes different times. You know what I mean? Some people, yeah. it may be automatic and some people may not. Right. Depends on how long it takes to get into your system and what other issues you got going on. Yeah, well, then when she knew it was him and he was over at her house with the kids, I was right. like, oh, shit. <laughs> So I think it was put put together very well. It was easy to follow. Um, obviously, it's based on facts, and of course, you can get you know more facts off the internet. But I had heard of this before, and I remember somewhat following it. And I could not believe the amount of patients they think that he may have murdered. Right. Yeah, that's a crazy number. So they finally have the hospital finally does arrest him for like a not putting in the right dates of his service at his previous employer. So they make up some bullshit. Yeah, first he got to fire him. for uh bluffing his resume that's why right. they fired him right for lying on his resume yeah. um but then she ends up wearing some kind of recording device or something and meeting him at a diner, diner. to try and get him to fess up to some of it mm-hmm. which yeah which didn't work well but eventually he's in the police station for questioning and just gives it up. Yeah, well, I mean, she still had to basically go in there and convince him because, I mean, he wasn't like, did you, I was like, oh, my God. He was screaming at that one detective. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, right, dude, calm down. <laughs> like, mm. Um, but I mean, she even, I mean, she still had to go in there and get him to kind of confess. Like she wasn't talking to the police at all. Yes. So she ended up being, I guess, like his only friend. Right. And, you know, he says that he didn't have many friends and blah, blah, blah. So she ends up being the only one that can calm him down Uh and get him to admit to it right and when she asked him he simply just started saying i did it and then when she asked him why it was basically his answer his answer was because they didn't stop me because no one stopped him because in every single hospital all they did was let him go like they just like fired him for whatever reason because they didn't want the backlash they didn't want the press, they didn't want the bad publicity, they didn't want to have to pay lawsuits or anything like that. 
they just would find a reason to let him go. You know, that's really friggin' sad. It is, because you figure so many people. Yeah, and Jersey and Philly are known to have better medical than a lot of other states. Right. You go south, all of their medical is just slow shit. Like, they don't have as uh, updated stuff as we do. They don't have the kind of specialty hospitals we have. Um, Like, I know one girl that came here from Texas. Her son has, I don't know the name of the disease. He is a dwarf and he has some other problems. He just turned two, but... So eventually he will live a somewhat normal life, but he's had a few surgeries, but she had to come up here because they weren't doing shit there, but he's still like on a lot of medical equipment because his body is developing slower than a, a normal child. So like now he has the trach until his... Uh, like esophagus develops. But anyway, my point is we're known to have the better health care. So like this really like scares me. Right. It, it's it's scary. It's just, but I mean, the fact that they're more worried about themselves than exactly. these poor people, you know what I mean? It's just. And that you don't have the. I, I don't even know what to call it to tell these families. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you sleep at night knowing right. what happened to somebody's grandma when they think something else happened? Right. Like, and it's kind of crazy because I don't think, like, the first one that died, like, her husband had gone home. You know what I mean? The one, the young girl with the baby. Like, it was just crazy. Like, yeah. So I wanted to read this apart on uh, Wikipedia about uh, the murders because this goes into a whole lot more than what they told you. So, too, um, go ahead. Yeah, well, I can put that on the end. Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. So it says the first murders to which Cullen later confessed occurred at St. Barnabas in 1988. He administered a lethal overdose of IV meds to a patient. Cullen eventually admitted to killing several other patients at St. Barnabas, including an AIDS patient who died after he had been given an overdose of insulin. Cullen left St. Barnabas in January 1992 when the hospital authorities began investigating the contaminated IV bags. The investigation later determined that Cullen had most likely been responsible, resulting in dozens of patients' deaths at the hospital. One month after leaving St. Barnabas, Cullen took a job at Warren Hospital. Now, all these are like North Jersey. Right. Uh, Not like we've gone to these hospitals, but still. So he took a job at Warren Hospital where he murdered three elderly women with overdoses of heart medication, dioxin. I don't know the name of it. Yeah. 
His final victim said that a sneaky male nurse had injected her as she slept. However, family members and healthcare providers at the hospital dismissed her comments as unfounded. The following year, he moved into a basement apartment in Phillipsburg after a contentious divorce with his wife. Cullen later claimed that he had wanted to quit nursing in 1993, but the court-ordered child support payments forced him to continue working. In March 1993, Cullen broke into a co-worker's home while she and her young son slept, but he left without waking them. He then began stalking the woman who filed a police report against him. Cullen pled guilty to trespassing and received one year probation. The day after his arrest, he made another suicide attempt. He's got to be up to what, 20 by now? Mm-hmm. So Cullen took two months off from work and was treated for depression in two psychiatric facilities. So how do you become a nurse with that, with that background? I don't know. Like, how was none of this screened? And how did he pass the, the service? Like, right. I, I don't know. Whatever. It's so, crazy. He attempted suicide twice more by the end of the year. That September, a 91-year-old cancer patient at Warren Hospital reported that Cullen, who was not her assigned nurse, had come into her room and injected her with a needle. She died the next day. Her son protested that her death was not natural and that the hospital administered a lie detector test to Cullen and several other nurses, which he passed. Cullen continued to work at Warren until the following spring. Cullen began a three-year stint at uh, ICU at Hunterton Medical Center. He claimed that he did not harm anyone during the first two years at Hunterton. However, hospital records for that period had been destroyed at the time of his arrest in 03. What? And as far as I know, you got to keep them for 10 years. So what year was that? So anyway, Cullen admitted oh murdering God. five patients between January and September 1986, again with overdoses of that dioxin. He then found work at Morrison Memorial Hospital, but was soon fired for poor performance. Cullen remained unemployed for six months and stopped making child support payments. After seeking treatment for depression in the Warren Hospital emergency room, he was briefly admitted into a psychiatric facility. In February 1998, Cullen was hired by the Liberty Nursing and Rehab Center in Allentown, Pennsylvania, where he staffed a ward of respirator-dependent patients. There, he was accused of giving patients drugs at unscheduled times. He was fired after being seen entering a patient's room with syringes in his hand. An encounter that left the patient with a broken arm, Cullen caused a patient's death at Liberty Hospital and was blamed on another nurse. 
So my point here is again and again and again. Like yeah. I, it's I don't. It's kind of crazy. It is. So not only was like he, so you know that he's causing these deaths, but you don't you don't feel the need to contact police over that. And you can't tell me that his new job isn't calling his old job for a reference. And why aren't they telling them? Well, you know, we seem to think uh, he has something to do with a couple deaths here, but. All right. He wasn't just tainting the IV bags. He was injecting these people while they slept. Right. And it, they don't believe the patients. Like, pull the cameras. Don't you have cameras? I mean, again, this was back then. They probably didn't have as many cameras as they do now kind of thing. Well, this one uh, looks like... Uh, when a patient in Somerset died of low blood sugar in October 03, the hospital alerted the state police. That patient was Cullen's final victim. State officials cascaded the hospital for failing to report non-fatal insulin overdose admitted by, administered by Cullen in August. An investigation into his employment history revealed past suspicions about his involvement in patient deaths. Somerset fired Cullen in October of 03 for lying on his job application. That's the one. And the right. nurse, Amy Lowren, alerted the police after she had become alarmed about Cullen's records of accessing drugs, blah, blah, blah. So that's, they had to have some kind of goddamn cameras in 03. If they had digital pharmacy machines, they had to have cameras, right? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, digital machines, that's a little different than putting cameras because you feel the need to monitor people 24-7. So he was finally charged. And how many murders did he admit to? I, well, I don't know how many he admitted to because at first he couldn't remember them all. He said he couldn't remember them all. But I do know that he was found guilty for 29 of the murders. Yeah, 29 were confirmed. Right. So, um, yeah, so I think I think maybe he admitted to 60 and 29 were confirmed. But they think there's up over to 400. Like, yeah. what the fuck? How? How is that possible? And I did, I just found this too. So I guess um, in 2008, five hospitals did settle wrongful death lawsuits with families of 22 victims. A negotiation that took four years. Damn. The suits alleged that hospital administration did nothing to stop Colin yep. from using stolen medications to kill patients and failed to notify authorities about their suspicions. I don't blame them. None of the hospitals admitted wrongdoing. Eventually, you get worn down, said John Schnager, the son of one of Cullen's murdered patients. I would have liked someone to have stepped up, but I guess this is as close as we're going to get. Yeah, but no amount of money can pay for a person's life. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, but especially still. That, that young mom, she had an infant. Like, right, that was the one I felt bad for. Yeah, and uh, the little old lady, the first one. 
Yes, Anna. Yeah, her husband was in there every day. They were sweet as Paul. Right. Yeah, they were. They had just got married. They were newlyweds. I mean, like, <laughs> no amount of money is going to fix that. No amount of money is going to fix that heartbreak. Like, right. The and they even growing. said, like, to this day, he they he can't give them a motive. Like, he has never given them any inkling as to why he did what he did, except that they didn't stop me. But there was, like, no motive. Like, what was your motive? Like, were you trying to get back at something? Like, what? There's no motive. But obviously, as many stints as he did in mental facilities, obviously, there's something there. Yeah, and how come that hasn't been revealed? So if you've been to 10 different psychiatric units and you've tried to commit suicide 20 times... Well, how come that's not revealed what his mental condition is? Yeah, I don't even know how he would have been able to get a job. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I was working back in 03. Like, they did background checks. Like, I I don't understand. It wasn't that goddamn long ago. It's almost been 20 years, but I was working 20 years ago. They were still doing background checks. I worked right. at Underwood Hospital back then. So, yeah, it was around 03. I worked at Underwood. I had to go through fingerprinting. Um, I Something with the police station, background checks. And they run a check in every state. Every state had to hit clear on my name. Like, so I don't understand. Like, this is the same time. How can South Jersey be so much more advanced than North? So, I mean, I guess, you know, there's speculation that apparently, so like his mom died at that first hospital that he started working at that mountainside. Uh And he basically felt that, like, even though he wasn't there when she died, um, that he felt that the hospital's callous treatment of him as they delayed notifying him of her death and cremated her, cremated her body with, without asking if he'd like it returned. Um, he felt that they had lied to him at Mountainside, a crime he would come to believe he would come to believe was a characteristic of hospitals in general and that no one would never forgive. Okay, so play the opposite side here if he was really upset about his mom's death and them not telling him or him being able to say goodbye or whatever his bullshit story is so when he killed these other people it's not like he sat in a room to be with them right he left them well i mean right and like some of these people like i don't know like it if he thought they were suffering, I mean, they weren't really. Like, they weren't, like, terminal patients. Like, I could maybe somewhat understand it if he was doing it for terminal patients. Right. I get that aspect. And, like, if he's so affected by his mom, who he said he had a shitty goddamn upbringing, so why are you so upset about the woman that caused you the shitty upbringing? But say he was affected by his mom's death and he wasn't able to be there and you know blah 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 maybe i could somewhat put two and two together if he was overdosing these people on insulin and holding their hand as they died but he just injected them and rolled and let them die all by themselves 
So like, I, I can't put any of this together on a motive besides right. you're a douche. Yeah, it's crazy. So what was his sentencing? What did he get? He wound up getting, hold on, let me go. So basically he, um, 18 consecutive life sentences and he's not eligible for parole until 2403 nice. which obviously he'll be dead by then but so, <laughs> so will we <laughs> so i just wanted to i don't know touch on what happened since then so it says that colin moved from facility to facility undetected mainly because the lack of requirements to report suspicious behavior by medical workers and inadequate legal obligations on employers. New Jersey and Pennsylvania, like most other states, require healthcare facilities to report suspicious deaths only in the most egregious cases. I can't even talk. And the penalties for failing to report incidents were minor. Also, many states did not give investigators the legal authority to discover workers' previous employers. Employers feared investigating incidents or giving a bad employment reference for fear of such actions triggering lawsuits. According to the detectives and Cullen himself, several hospitals suspected him of harming and or killing patients, but failed to take appropriate legal actions. After Cullen's criminal conviction, many of the hospitals at which he had worked were sued by the families of the victims. The files and settlements against the New Jersey hospitals, all of which were settled out of court, are sealed. In some cases, individual workers took it upon themselves informally to try and prevent Cullen from being hired or to have him terminated. Some contacted nearby hospitals in secret or quietly spoke to their superiors to alert them not to hire Cullen. When Cullen took a job at Sacred Heart Hospital in Allentown in O. One, a nurse who had heard rumors about him at Easton Hospital advised her co-workers. The nurses threatened to quit if Cullen was not immediately dismissed, which he was. So, prompted by the Cullen case, Pennsylvania and New Jersey and 35 states adopted new laws which encourage employers to give honest appraisals of workers' job performance and provide legal protections for reporting medical errors. The New Jersey law in particular formed the model other states would follow. Firstly, in 04, Patient Safety Act increased hospitals' responsibility for reporting serious preventable adverse events. In 05, Enforcement Act a supplement to the Patient Safety Act requires hospitals to report certain details of their employees to New Jersey Division of Consumer Affairs and mandated that complaints and disciplinary reports relating to patient care be kept for at least seven years. So 
I guess that's the only good that came out of his bed. I mean, I guess they put things in place, you know, for that reason. But why does it always take something so damn serious to freaking fix something that should have been fixed to begin with? Right. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It is, especially. It really is. Like, they're harder on doctors than nurses. I know the shit that Paul goes through to keep his license. Right. You know, and we've been together for quite some time. So it's not like, you know, I'm talking today. I'm talking the whole time. Right. You know, and you have, uh, I want to say, a medical resume that follows you from spot to spot. Right. Which, I mean, that's why it's still so baffling to me, like how he was able to get hired by these places. Again and again and again. Right. And how was he able to keep a job for three years? So he was acting like he wanted a pat on the back that he worked at that one hospital for three years. I didn't kill anyone for two years. Right. Two asshole. Right. What you want a sticker? Right. So oh, look, I just put him up on New Jersey Department of Corrections. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Where wow. He looks weird. Oh, I know. He looks like a damn child molester. Um, what what jail is he in? Um, it just says NJSP, so I guess that's somewhere up north, I'm sure. Yeah, I think I had looked that up before. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. But there is another um, one coming out. Um. I guess it goes into a little bit more detail than what they did in this one. About, okay, so, but um, it, it's still Charles Cullen. Yeah, it's capturing the killer nurse. And it says this documentary reveals how investigators proved ICU nurse Charles Cullen was killing patients and how close he came to getting away with murder. But that doesn't come out on Netflix till the 11th. So we might do a follow-up. Yeah, so there might be a part two to this tragedy. Um, a lot of people were uh, mixing up this one with another bad nurse, even though they say good nurse, another bad nurse. I think in North Carolina that had did this same shit. Oh, I don't know. Because someone kept asking me about that. And I'm like, no, this is New Jersey, not North Carolina. So I don't know. I might try and find out what that one is. Uh, uh, rogue nurse allegedly kills two patients with lethal, lethal dose of, of uh, insulin. No, I think this was quite a few like this douche did. Oh, uh, I just Googled and I can't, I don't see anything coming out. You think there's a movie out about it already? I don't think so, but that's oh. what they started watching good nurse thinking it was about uh, that one gotcha. that's more recent so there's right. nothing i don't think there's anything on that one yet but i know coming up soon i don't know next week the week after i want to touch on i, I want to do a podcast on um 
friend of the family. Yeah. And, uh, shit, what's the other one called? Abducted in Plain Sight. Oh, yeah, those two. Yeah, I have to finish the one and then we can do yeah. that. Oh, yeah. my God. So, Abducted in Plain Sight, I don't know. I, I seem to think I watched it like a year and a half or two ago. Yeah, that, when it first came out, I watched it too. So, I rewatched it over the weekend and took pages of notes. I want to say a year and a half or two ago, everyone was talking about this, but I had only seen, I don't know, tidbits about it. So I don't know what I seen, but I did go back and watch The Abducted in Plain Sight. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe I had a shortened version of it. I don't know what it was, but I think it's Peacock released friend of the family which goes into more detail and so far they had four episodes released and when i looked last night they had eight and oh uh-huh. my god girl we're gonna go on for days about that one all right yep that sounds exciting oh well it'll be god. like a two-hour podcast we'll have to put aside time <laughs> We're going to need to get together and have coffee for that one. Right or something. <laughs> that one. So, to finish up this one before we right. roll into the next one, I, I don't know. My final words are, um, I'm glad they changed shit, but it should have already been there before this happened. Absolutely. And I feel that if I forbid this, you know, like, if you feel that somebody, a family member or something, push until you get the answers that you want because obviously these people died for no reason. Yeah, and you like, gotta- and they weren't critical and they weren't like didn't have like life threatening. There, you know, to me, if that was my family member and you couldn't give me an answer, I'd be pushing and pushing yeah. and pushing until I got an answer. Yeah, because the squeaky Cause somebody's wheel- going to be held liable. Squeaky wheel gets the oil. Right, exactly. Um, and you have to advocate for yourself and your family. Now, Correct. we all know I'm outspoken, so trust me. <laughs> trust me, if it's someone in my family, everybody's going to know. Right, <laughs> And exactly. somebody's going to pay. But right. I see a lot of people that aren't like that, that are, are shy or, you know, d- don't want to... I don't know, make a scene or say something that might, no, I don't give a shit. And here I'll prove that point. And me and Paul were just talking about this the other day. So when Steph was an infant, uh, she had diarrhea every 20 days and it would last 10 days long. And they just kept changing her formula, changing her formula, changing her formula. And it kept happening and happening and happening. So finally at 11 months old, after taking this kid to the doctor every month, she had failure to thrive. She didn't gain any weight. She didn't grow. So now all of a sudden they believe me that there's something wrong with this child. So they tested her for cystic fibrosis, which is a sweat test. And then they wanted to do this exploratory surgery where they wanted to go in and like biopsy every organ just to make sure everything's working like it should. So this is over there at Chop in Philly, and she was born in 95, so I guess it was like 95, maybe January of 96. Mm -hmm. 
So me and her father take her up there and I'm holding her and they're putting the IV in her. Well, dad goes down on the floor and I am like sweating bullets. Like I'm dizzy. I'm lightheaded. Like neither one of us are cut out for this shit. So they finally do it. They like bandaged up her arm so she can't take it out. Well, they give her the medicine to start knocking her out in that IV and I'm holding her and she's going lifeless on me and I am having a fucking cow. I walk her into the OR and put her down on the bed, but I won't let go of her. Steph, this is going to sound ignorant as hell, (laughs) but This doctor walked into the OR all suited up and he had those arm crutches on. You know Uh where they they cuff your arm and and I looked at him and I was like, oh, hell no. And my husband is like, Robin, what are you doing? I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, hell no, no, no. No, like, no. And they're like, what is wrong? I'm like, no, he is not operating on on my daughter. He's just not. Steph, he couldn't stand there. Right. Yeah, that's kind of, I mean, yeah. And if you sneeze, you hiccup, you can paralyze my child. And I just sat there and had a big friggin' hissy fit until they brought someone else in. I don't care if he's your number one surgeon. I don't care when you feel something is not right. That's all I got to say is you better speak the hell up. That's right. Cause my 11 month old certainly couldn't. Right. And I don't care. My ex kept telling me to shut up. You're making a scene. You look like an ass. I don't care. I don't care. I am not comfortable with this. This is not what I had agreed to. And I will pick my daughter up off that table and leave. Like, no. Right. But so many people aren't like that. Like, you can call me ballsy, bossy, controlling. I don't give a shit what words you use. But I will always stand up for myself and anyone I love. It's just... Me too. Just who I am. Me too. So trust me, ain't no good nurse, ain't no bad nurse getting away with shit with me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> I'll take her own syringe and fix her. <laughs> right. So on that note, we will end this podcast. Uh, you can reach out to us on our socials. It's Robin and Stephanie's Crimeaholics Podcast. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Feel free to drop us a message. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, any comments, concerns, or anything else that uh, you know you wanted us to do a podcast on. We do have a request. And that one's going to take longer because it is unsolved and it was so long ago, like, we really got to dig 
to even find oh, enough Oh, yeah, I remember you mentioning that request. Yeah, like, we really got to dig to find information. Yeah, like, we're going to have to go to the library and look at the microfiche for that one. <laughs> because I don't want to do a podcast on he, he said, she said bullshit. I want to be able to yeah. form my own opinion and have so, facts yeah so it's not that we're ignoring you it's just it's just going to take a little longer it will eventually become a podcast um so i just wanted to put that out there in case she was like oh my god they're ignoring me <laughs> but it's it's old i mean these older ones you've seen i had to get that uh newspaper subscription for that one yeah like when you think you can find anything on the internet it's really a lie because anything in the newspaper you have to pay for <laughs> yeah because they give it to you in microscopic print i don't care you print it you blow it up i don't care what you do you can't see it you have to pay for some kind of membership to get it and then even then it's still shit you know what i mean it's yeah I don't know. So we're not ignoring you. We just really got to dig deep for that one. Mm-hmm. So on that note, uh, hope you have a good evening and hopefully we will catch you next week. Hopefully, Peace out.